0: Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today is Leviticus 13. We're only doing one chapter in the Old Testament. I always think that's so exciting because I think I'm going to get through it faster when it's only one chapter um, on this journal style program that I'm reading, but this is a long chapter. And it, it could be one of those chapters that you overlook because it's like, well, how does this relate to us today? But To really get the full benefit of this entire Bible, you really do want to read line by line. So in chapter 13, they described um, skin conditions and skin diseases. And you might think things don't make sense or, gosh, that's not fair. This person has, they just have a skin condition. Why do they have to be isolated for seven days? There is so much wisdom in this chapter, believe it or not. Because the skin is a reflection of what's going on in the inside. Now, although the priests were not doctors, so that wasn't their role. Their role wasn't to be a doctor or to heal. It was just to recognize. So, so for example, in this chapter, you're going to read how it describes if it's just the top of the skin layer, um, then it'll heal quickly. And this is how you test for it. If it's deeper in the skin, then they are considered unclean. Now, which is so accurate, because if it's just surface skin, it could be a very, an allergic reaction, a small, maybe an abrasive skin rash, but if it goes deep beyond the top skin layer, then that's often more of a systemic problem, something, something deep, like the, lev- the liver is not detoxing, or there's toxins in the body, and this, this is real life, I'm not just talking about the Old Testament here. If their skin has just very surface irritation, then it can easily just heal itself. But if it's deep, and very often acne, for example, that is really has the deep, deep pimples or the deep pores, that just goes to show that the body is not detoxing. Maybe the hormones are off. The liver isn't functioning well. Something is off. Um, isn't that the coolest thing that the Bible's actually addressing this in so much great detail? Now, it's kind of a bummer because some of these people get isolated and that's really a drag, but yet it's still kind of, it's a very true. Um, okay, so the skin will tell you a lot of things about what's going on in the inside. Number two, if the, it's an open sore, that's where it's much more contagious. So a lot of times if they had an open sore, they were considered unclean, meaning they were contagious and they had to be isolated for seven days and then come back to the priest to see if it had closed if it, if the inflammation had calmed down um and then they can enter back into the community so that was just a way of maintaining the health of the community um so that things don't spread very cool very interesting okay then um what else can I say about the skin part? I don't know, but it just goes on and on. And of course, leprosy was a big deal back then. Here's the other interesting thing. To us, we act like, well, it's not its not really f- fair that someone with a skin condition had to be isolated, but keep in mind, they weren't exposed to the same things we're exposed to today. So for example, your skin should stay intact if your gut is intact, if your liver is functioning, correctly. If your, um, your thoughts are pleasant thoughts, if you have a lot of stress in your body, then your immune system plummets and then your, your system isn't working and it can, it can expose itself through the skin. What's my point? My point is back then, um, they also weren't exposed to the things that we are exposed to now, not the pollution in the air or the GMOs that are in the food that are destroying our gut. All these kind of things didn't happen back then they happen now. So we have a lot more skin conditions today. And then we have things that we can do, but still, ah, oh, so cool the way they go into detail. So I just want you to keep in mind that their culture was different. Um, just the fact that God addressed it was powerful. Then we go into mold. Now I can just like, this is the mic drop kind of scenario. Everything you're going to read from chapter 47 on for the rest of um, Leviticus 13 is just hands down correct. The mold portion, just do what it says because it's accurate. Mold is so prevalent, but when, (laughs) just read the chapter. It's so good. And yes, you should address mold exactly the way it's described because mold is so prevalent and it's so damaging. Mold can get in your body, can cause a whole array of symptoms that people can't pinpoint. Follow the instructions on chapter 13 of Leviticus and you should be good so cool and practical. Okay, here we are, uh, Psalms 52, and I'm going to read it because it's so powerful and um, it's so applicable to today. Yes, today. So it goes like this. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God, you who practice deceit? Your tongue plots destruction. It is like a sharpened razor. Your love, you love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Okay, that means that today, in this current day, the people that are plotting evil, pursuing, not wanting truth, all truth will be exposed, all lies will be exposed, everything, all falsehood, um, and the evil will be exposed. Okay? The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you saying, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. Yep, pretty current. Um, but I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. Because in reality, everybody is, you either worship God or you worship your ego, which will lead, leave you unprotected and leave you susceptible to the evils of the world. So that's how it goes. You either follow God, worship God, believe in God, or you believe only in yourself and your ego, and then you will be completely unprotected and susceptible to evil. That's just a fact, my friend. Let's see. Moving on to Luke 8. So much to unpack here. I'll try to do it as quickly as I can. Um, Some of the stories we've already heard because we heard it in Uh, Matthew and Mark. But here we are, the parable of the sower. And Jesus is still traveling through the town. His disciples are with him. And he comes across and he's talking in parables. Um, And he says about this, the farmer who went out to sow the seeds, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on. And the birds ate it, some fell along the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up with, and it was choked, which choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil and it came up and yielded a crop of a hundred times more than it had sown. So the disciples said, what exactly did that parable mean? And he said to them first, before he explains the parable, he says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables. (laughs) So sometimes we go, gosh, why doesn't Jesus be direct? Why does he have to talk in parables? Well, one, we remember stories. Easier number two, because when your spirit is in alignment, when your spirit is pure, when your heart is in the right posture, these parables will speak to you. So, you see, there's reasons behind it, there are mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of God. Okay, so then he goes into the meaning the seed is the word of God, the seed is the word of God. Can I just say? I'm so excited because exactly what we're doing, what you're doing, reading the Bible a little bit at a time, you're planting a seed in your soul, in your mind, in your body, in your life, in your relationships. You are planting a seed by reading the Bible a little bit at a time. It's not just because, hey, wouldn't it be cool to say you read the Bible by the end of the year? No, 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 no. You are planting seeds and not just seeds in your spirit life but i promise you you are by reading the bible every day you're planting seeds in your relationship in your mindset in your health in your finances in your family yep and in your character so here we go the seed is the word of god those along the path are the ones who hear it and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that's easy to do you know the, When you go to church on Sunday and get inspired by a message and you're like so excited. And then by Monday, you're tempted by something or something just snags at your heart and and it's gone. Um, So that they may not believe and be saved. Okay. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time, the testing of testing, they fall away. These are those who are consistent, going to church, trying to think good thoughts, trying to do the right thing, Um, but maybe they're not really reading their Bible, not fellowshipping with like-minded people, and maybe something bad happens, maybe a breakup, maybe a job loss, maybe the craziness of the world, and it just rattles them, shakes them to their core, and they have no foundation. Okay, then the seeds that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. These are the ones that, um, yes, they go to church regularly, they're doing all the things, maybe they even go to a Bible study, and they're benefiting. They're growing in their finances, they're growing in the relationships, but then they get laxed and they stop doing the, being, humble and they stop pursuing God in this tender way. Okay. But the seed on the good soil stands for those who are noble and good in heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Consistency and a good heart. Remember, it's always about the heart posture. So then the next section on chap- verse 16, we talk about the lamp, where they say for, th- for their, okay, Would anybody get a lamp and cover it under a clay pot? No, you wouldn't turn on a lamp and hide it. Of course not. You turn on a lamp so it can illuminate, so other people can see it, right? For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. That is a confirmation to what they said in Psalms about evil being exposed. Those that are telling lies or doing evil, it will be exposed into the light. And Jesus is saying this. So here we had Psalms, David was saying it, but now Jesus is saying it. Now you can rest assured that what Jesus says himself is absolutely true. And he's saying right here that there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Rest assured in that. Have faith. Know it's going to happen. Just certainty. Um, Okay, so then we move on to, well, let's just finish this. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even though they think they have, will be taken from them. I always find that an interesting passage. So be careful. Be careful how you listen. Be very alert. Use your discernment. Then we move on to the section where... um, Jesus' mother and his brother were waiting for him outside. They couldn't get to him. People said, Your mom and your brother are outside. And he says, Hey, 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 just relax. And he used it as an example. He wasn't trying to disrespect his mother or or disrespect family. He was just saying, look, the will of God comes first. So I think that's cool. Okay, Jesus calms the storm. We know that story. Um, because it was literally told in Matthew, Mark, and then repeated again. In Luke. What's interesting about that, okay, so the big storm, they come, Master, Master, we're gonna drown. There's this big storm. And he just says, Ay, ay, ay. What is your problem, guys? You can calm these storms. You know, it's kind of cool about that is in your life, you're gonna have storms. And what Jesus is saying is, You can calm those storms, you can tell the storm to subside, the storm in your spirit. The storm in your mind, the storm in your real life, you can calm those storms. And then, but what was so amazing to the disciples is they say, who is this? So even at that point, they didn't really know that he was, they, they didn't have certainty that he was the, um, that he was God in flesh. Isn't that interesting? They were still questioning, who is this that he commands the waters to obey him? So then we're moving on to Jesus restores the demon-possessed man where he sees the man and he the demons he calls them out and then they go into the pigs and the pigs run into the water and they drowned. The people saw this and they were tripping out. They go and tell the community people. Community people came back and said, "This is too freaky. Can you please leave because what you're doing here is disturbing." Now, um It's weird because you'd think that they would be happy, but I just think it was something called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance means you believe one way, you live one way, and then when truth comes out, good or bad, when truth comes out, your brain doesn't grasp it. It's overwhelming, it's too much, and either you get sick or you go into shock or something. That's called cognitive dissonance, and you want to deny it even though logically you can see it's true, you want to deny it and not believe it. That's cognitive dissonance. So here, I don't think that they wanted to believe that Jesus was doing great miracles and they said, you have to leave. We just can't take it. Okay, then Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. The woman who was bleeding touches his robe. She's healed and he tells her, your faith is healed, go in peace. The little girl Jari, Jarius, Jarius, his daughter, um, who had, who was dying, and he sent for Jesus. Jesus took too long. They said, "Don't worry, never mind. The little girl's already dead. It's already passed." Jesus says, "Oh, stop, stop, stop. She's only sleeping. Everyone, relax." And he tells the little girl, "Wake up." And that is how the story goes. And they were amazed. That was a lot. Leviticus 13, Psalms 52, and Luke 8.